The month of September is Self-Care Awareness Month. It's a time to remind us to take care of ourselves first and foremost. Self-care is often neglected in our everyday lives. We all tend to put others' needs before our own. It is crucial to remember that we cannot fill another's cup from our own empty vessel. Welcome to Wondercast, a community collaborative podcast supporting families as they navigate the complexities of chronic illness. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Poole. Michelle is a dynamic certified executive coach and owner of Coaching for Good. She has an extensive background in global human resources before growing her career towards leadership coaching. She is passionate about reinvigorating the hearts and minds of those she works with. She's a professional certified coach through International Coach Federation, a certified professional coactive coach, and she's a certified Dare to Lead facilitator. I am so excited to have her expertise on self-care for our podcast today. Meet Michelle. Hey, well, I just want to say, number one, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And so who am I? I'm a mom of two. I have a almost 16-year-old and a 12-year-old, and I'm a business owner. I have a business called Coaching for Good and a soon-to-be relaunched women's networking group called the Amazing Women's Alliance. You know, when you asked me, I was like, what would I say? You know, I also was a 47-year caregiver of a mom with chronic mental illness. So like, huh, as I think through like, yeah, I, this subject and what you're doing is near and dear to my heart. So thank you for having me. Well, we talk about how September is National Self-Care Awareness Month, which I love. Personally, both of our birthdays fall in this month. Mm-hmm. And what a perfect month for self-care, because I feel like we both are big believers in that and how important it is. And we know that at Wonders and Worries, our primary audience are people who are either fighting the good fight of enduring chronic illness or supporting someone they care about greatly as they are walking through chronic illness and what that self-care could look like for them and for their family. Maybe somebody listening to this is a nurse or a social worker or a child life specialist or perhaps a school personnel that is supporting a family as they are facing chronic illness and all that that entails. And we know how that affects the entire family system. So in looking at that, it helps us better understand all the ways that we can focus on our own growth and carving out that space and time for healing, just being very intentional about making some time for ourselves. So kind of where I wanted to start with this, and the work that you do and how you see individuals, how does that work in terms of the populations that you so- support and serve? In my business, Coaching for Good, we work with both individuals and organizations. And while we call it leadership development, I always tell people it's it's all life coaching because you come in and if whether people are talking about what they're struggling with as a leader in an organization or in their career, it's always about their personal leadership. You know, one of the fundamental things I learned for myself when I first went through coach training after being in, in human resources for about 18 years was it's not all about the doing, it's about the being. You know, people are always like, I, I want you to tell me what I need to do and how to get better and why I'm feeling so frustrated or burned out or stuck. And, you know, this is where we introduce, well, there's a being part of it. The being part of it, a big part of it is, is how are you, number one, how aware of, are you of where you're operating from? There's this great video that I'll 
probably share later when you ask me for some tools, but it's a really, it's a, it's a three minute video and it, t- it talks about, are you operating from above or below the line? And where we want to be is above the line where we're operating as our best self. We're you know in alignment, we're energized, we're feeling good and we're able to help people about where we often are. And the people that come to me are below the line. Are we tired, burned out, resentful, giving it all away. You know, when you think about caregivers and the roles that we have to play, just operating on overdrive, not taking care of ourselves. And so that's where it comes into the conversation. Well, let's talk about how you're taking care of yourself. So when you get to that point with somebody and you're talking about asking them how they take care of themselves, do you feel like the individuals you're working with or the groups you're working with, they are hesitant to dive into that? Or do you feel like initially people approach that with, well, I think I'm doing fine (laughs) or I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say almost a hundred percent of the time people go, why why are we talking about that? Like, you know, I'm doing okay. This isn't about me. I have people to take care of. I don't have time. I, you know, fill in the blank. don't need help. I got this all myself. That's, that's always where, where we start. And do you think that's protective? Is that coming from a place of pride or is it more of a place of fear from your coaching background? Do you think? I think it's coming from an unconscious place of needing to, it's survival and just not recognizing it, you know, not recognizing the story that they're telling themselves. Like, I don't have time. It's not okay. It's not about me. I just need to get through. I need to get this, you know, do what I need to do to take care of everybody else. And not recognizing that you can only do that for so long until you crash and burn. And then you're kind of not able to help anybody. When I work with people in organizations and leaders, we actually have an assessment called the Leadership Circle Profile that I do with people. And I love it. It's, it's a circle. And so in a very basic, when you're operating above the line, it's statistically correlated with effective leadership. But really, it's consciousness. Are you operating from a conscious place that is statistically correlated with effective leadership organizations? Um, but really, it's about humanity. And the, the top half of the graph is operating from a place of purpose. And the bottom place is operating from a place of safety. And so, you know, oftentimes people are like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm getting things done. And then their, their, their profile shows up and it shows up. You, you send out and you have other people answer questions about yourself. And it comes back, you know, where you're operating from. And usually those people that are like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need help. Well, here's the data in black and white that shows that you are in overdrive, that you're doing everything that yourself, that you're being a perfectionist. And and so how are you sleeping at night? How's your health? When is the last time that you went to the doctor? When was the last time you bit somebody's head off because you didn't have enough emotional energy to deal with the situation? And so that's what shifts the conversation, bringing that into awareness. One of my favorite quotes that I use all the time in conjunction with that assessment is that awareness leads to choice and choice to change and change to transformation. I love that. I do too, because it just, it kind of gets to the bottom of it. And, you know, once we identify and make people aware, okay, you know, why, why are you so exhausted, not showing up how you want to show up, not in alignment with your values, not able to be present with that person that you're taking care of like you want to, and then you go home and beat yourself up or you, you know, fill in the blank. Then the question I always ask people, the coaching question, well, what's at stake if you don't make self-care balance a priority? 
that's a hard and humbling thing to answer. Think about what's at stake because for a lot of our families, they're saying, well, if if I make myself a priority, I worry that I am being selfish mm-hmm. or I am not focusing on my person who is maybe really ill mm-hmm. and in this life event or my child who is struggling with me not being around as much and being immunosuppressed and not able to come to their school or volunteer in their classroom or or have to go to the hospital mm-hmm. or looking funny. Mm-hmm. And so they're already carrying around that guilt. And so mm-hmm. it's like one more thing to focus on myself so I can see how they have that struggle of knowing Mm-hmm. And that's where yeah. we start. That's the being right going into the internal work. There's, you know, what I just asked you in coaching is a powerful question where I, I love it when people are like, I can't answer that question right now because that's it's we got to get to the, the heart of it. Right. But when you really think about it, well, what's at stake? You're not going to be able to show up. You're not going to be able to show up in the way that you want to show up. You're not going to have the energy to, to do everything that you've been doing. You're not going to be able to be present in those, those moments when people really need you. And so that's what starts to shift the conversation and to shift those beliefs. That's where we got to get behind those beliefs of like you just named what I'm also certified in Brene Brown's research. I don't think I mentioned that at the beginning. And so I use a lot of her tools, which I highly recommend. And one of them is just to become aware of the story that you're telling yourself. Well, the story that I'm telling myself is it's selfish if I take care of myself. Who am I to be doing this? If I don't go to that person's aid as soon as they call me, then they're going to think I don't care. Fill in the blank, whatever it is. And what happens is when we're operating from that place, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. We we don't show up how we want to show up anyway. And then we beat ourselves up and then it becomes a vicious what, you know, Brene Brown talks in her research, a shame spiral. And I feel like shame is probably one of the largest foundations that we see when you're asking somebody supporting someone with chronic illness mm-hmm. to make some time for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I can relate to that, you know, like I said, growing up, taking care of a mom who was chronically mentally ill. I was wired not to put myself first. And again, you know, I didn't consciously ask myself this question when I became her power of attorney at 23, but what's at stake if you don't? And I always tell people, and it's kind of a joke, but kind of not. One of the the people that I think is the wisest in the world said, if if we don't fill up our own cup first, then no one can drink from it because no one can drink from an empty cup. And that wise person was Oprah. (laughs) I absolutely (laughs) love her, um, but it's true. And so, you know, it just comes down to that. We can continue to operate around these limiting beliefs and make decisions from that place because when those beliefs are operating under the surface and the leadership circle profile, they're called reactive tendencies. Those beliefs become our behavior that become the actions that become the impact. So you've got to really get in touch and and put that belief on the table like, what am I questioning here? You know, or what am I telling myself? I'm telling myself to put myself first, you know, is is selfish, is not okay. Cause this person, okay. Well then what's going to happen if I don't, what's at stake if I don't. So when you get somebody to finally start to see, okay, I do need to make this a priority. Then what does the next step look like? Once you get somebody on board with hearing, okay, I do need to make this a priority. I see this as the value. I can't pour from an empty cup. 
then what is the next step from taking it from an understanding to an actual doing? Like, what does that reset look like? So what I do is number one, taking them through that exercise of where are you now? Where are you operating from? What's that story? What are those beliefs? How's it working for you? You know, what's working, what's not working, looking at some of the goals, you know, and and the goals are typically, I want to do more, I want more energy, I want to be more effective. And so just making it more concrete. And one of my favorite exercises that I use is a values exercise. So we actually, we go through a timeline of people's lives. We, we say, if you're writing the story of your life, if you're writing a book, you know, what are the chapter headlines that make you who you were today? And people will going through that exercise and then we pull out, okay, you know, either above the line or below the line. I think the theme today is about the line. I didn't realize how many tools I use, but you know, if it was above the line, it was a positive event. If it was below the line, it was a negative event. And we look at what were the values that showed up for you there, whether they were values that were honored or values that made it so hard. You know, you know, if you think about if you had a divorce in your family, maybe it was the value of family or security or safety that was compromised that made that that something so core to who you are. And so one of the things that we do is we go through that exercise and we get people to come up with like, what are the top, you know, if you were to think that you have these pillars that are holding up your foundation, what are the top, they have to be symmetrical. So six values, you know, that in your life right now in this chapter, because I think it's important to always remember for all of us, but especially when you're going through really hard things, that it's going to get easier. It's going to get different. It's going to shift. This isn't forever. But looking at what are the things that need to be in place that you need to focus on now? And so we look at health and then the question always is, because it's not a black and white thing. It takes a lot to convince people that they've got to put their self in there. And it usually comes in the form of health or exercise or connection with friends, family, and, and being able to say, here's the core things that I need to keep front and center. These become your priorities. And then they become the things that learning how to say, you know, When you think about it, every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Or I like to flip it and make it more positive. Every time you say no to something, you're saying yes to something, one of your priorities or your values. And so you can't really do that if you're running on overdrive and you're burned out and you're giving all of yourself away and you're, you know, operating below the line. And so you, to get to that place, you have to say, okay, so here's the things so that when extra stuff comes up and there's always extra stuff, especially in the world today in the last two or three years, you can say, yeah, I've got to say no to that because right now this is my priority and this is what's going to help me maintain my energy. And we haven't even talked the other side of that is looking at your values, like what's going to replenish your energy because it's so easy as a caregiver to get sucked into taking care of everybody else and not replenishing our energy. So then that becomes the next part of the conversation. So we look at the values, we start to put some goals around, here's what you're going to say yes to, and here's what you're going to say no to. And then, you know, what are the things that you're going to build into your prioritize and build into your schedule, your limited time that are going to help fill your cup back up? I love the rephrasing it to not focusing on my no's, but what are my yeses? Mm -hmm. I love that so much because as somebody who struggles to say no, which you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, there's a lot of power in saying, 
It's not that I'm saying no. It's that these are the things I'm reserving my yeses for. Mm-hmm. And I think there is so much strength in that mm-hmm. because then you're saying this is the stuff that I'm putting the value in. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I am choosing mm-hmm. for my time. Yes. And there is so much power in that. Yeah. Oh, and I love that you said choosing because that's the biggest, I mean, what you just described is that awareness and then it comes to choice and choice to change. Right. And so it, it becomes that like, it, and it, it truly does help people when people come a lot of times to work with us, they're feeling stuck, they're feeling powerless, they're feeling frustrated. And so even getting people to go, oh, you know what, you actually have control over this. That helps shift the energy. So how does embracing vulnerabilities take us where we need to go? Does that make sense? How does that, how does allowing ourselves to be vulnerable help us get the momentum to move into self-care or move into change? Well, if you're familiar with Brene Brown's research, you know the antidote to shame and being in a shame spiral is vulnerability. She found the definition of vulnerability from all of her research is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. That in itself, you know, in my coaching sessions, we do a whole bit of work on what does vulnerability mean? And, you know, one of the biggest things I I like to ask people to start out is, especially caregivers and people that are giving all of their energy away to help other people. I ask people, well, how are you to ask for help? How are you? Let me rephrase that question. But you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I think I asked you that question yesterday and you're like, uh... Terrible. I'm terrible at it. And I think that there is a trend that the people that are great at giving help are horrible at asking for it. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get in a space of setting yourself as the primary caretaker for something and you do it for a long time, Mm -hmm. I think that you put yourself in the headset of one, you, you take pride because mm-hmm. you have put a lot of energy into something. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, it becomes a point of pride because clearly if I've given so much of myself mm-hmm. and so much of my time, it's because I want to, and it's because I love this person, mm-hmm. but also I'm proud of this. Mm-hmm. This is my hard work. This is my blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. I don't want someone to come in and mess this up. Mm-hmm. We also have... I think for a lot of us who have worked with anyone who is ill, especially if it's your person, you kind of start to be under the belief that you are doing the active work of keeping them alive Mm. or helping them or helping them heal. Mm -hmm. And, and so there comes that added layer of if I were to pull back Mm -hmm. or to, to delegate somebody else to step in my place for a while what would happen to my person? What Mm -hmm. if they didn't do it as well? Or Mm -hmm. what if they maybe messed up or did the medications wrong or Mm -hmm. my person was exposed to something else and became ill, then it would be my fault. Mm -hmm. So I think there's allowing ourselves maybe to become vulnerable and vocalize that even might help us to be able to work through some of that, that those untrue things, right? Is that what you see? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think what you, everything you just described is vulnerability, right? And what you're, you described is the resistance against being vulnerable and certain, you know, again, uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. So even admitting that, I, that, wow, I don't have this all 
you know, what, what happens if I don't, and it's scary. Like you just, it's scary to think that if there's a mistake, then that, that might mean that I did something wrong because I hired another caregiver or I didn't go to that appointment or I didn't, you know, whatever. And so it's, again, just, it's recognizing it's having the awareness. Number one, to say, what if I don't like, you know, are you showing up how you want to show up in this caregiving role in the first place? You know, are you showing up above the line as, you know, being able to be fully supported, fully present, fully loving, or are you so depleted that you're showing up resentful and, you know, not to mention the physical effects of burnout and stress and all the things like not being able to remember all the things you need to remember and keeping up with all the things that need to be kept up with are, you know, and so it goes down to vulnerability in that situation looks like asking for help and admitting like I am, I am human. I can't, I can't do it all. The antidote to shame is vulnerability. And part of that is just saying it out loud. Number one to yourself, admitting that this is really hard. And so that, you know, and and empathy, right. And this is where we talk about empathy. So having that trusted circle of people that you to support you, which is self-care as well. Like, you know, how do you, Number one, just say, I need some support. And this is what support looks like. And it's going to be messy. And I might fall apart. And I'm not going to have it all together. Right? That's vulnerable. And having that empathy. And then having you know self-compassion for ourselves, too. We, we can't leave that part out. And just recognizing, like, yeah, maybe you know, we talk about all the time in, quote, unquote, leadership development, which is personal development as well is, you know, all those things brought us to where we are today worked for us. But is that what's going to get you to keep going? That's so important to think about. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I'm sure you talk, we all talk about it takes resilience to take care of people and we cannot function a hundred percent of the time giving it all away on overdrive and we can't, we're going to crash and burn. And so, you know, being able to just admit that and have self-compassion and say, okay, you know, well, this is hard. You've done a really good job. You're a really great caretaker and you need some support. And it's okay not to be okay 100% of the time. So in terms of tools, you talk about, you have so many tools. I feel like you could do an entire podcast on tools and you have a podcast that you are launching and that you've been working on. And I can't wait for you to share about that too here soon. For today, do you have any specific tools that you would like to share about or walk through a tool with us? Well, so the video I mentioned that I, uh, I'll send you the link if you want to put it in the, the podcast notes. It's actually called, I think, Above or Below the Line. It's by a group called the Conscious Leadership Group. I highly recommend that because, you know, all these things we talk about, they're in our heads and they're, you know, often unconscious and it's, it's a concept. And then I, you know, that video helps people to go, oh yeah, now I understand what that means. Um, so, so there's that video. I also have the values exercise, but you know, even just like I walked through that really quick, but just taking a few moments to say, okay, what are the key things that are important in my life? I have a great quick story. So this values exercise and ironically enough, and I'm going to, I'm going to say this um, in a way. So to keep the confidentiality of my client, but this is a client that I had years ago. Um, and she was actually an ICU nurse and 
she came in and she was like, I'm just so burned out. I don't have time for myself. I don't have time for my child, you know, kind of what we're talking about. And she's like, I need to, I need to change. I need to change my career. So I need, she came in for career coaching. And so I'm like, okay. And so one of the things that I would start with is let's get you in touch with your values. So as we start to make decisions, as you start to look at, you know, what other careers, what you want your life to look like, we can start to use that to make a decision. And so she did a values exercise and, you know, that was her homework. She came back and she said, okay, here's my values. And my values are, um, I'm going to make it up, but it was like high earnings, esteem, continuing education, promotion, you know, those were the themes in what she said. And, um, and so then it was like, well, that's interesting because that's not really in alignment with the conversations that we had about where you are right now how you're feeling, where you want to operate. So her homework was to go back and do the values exercise again, you know, thinking about that. And I'm not even kidding. She came back and she said, well, I quit my job and we're going to move to Hawaii for two years. And we're going to, I'm going to become a consultant and just focus on this one area of what, where I want to do some research. And it was, it was crazy. But she said, what I realized when I went back and looked at my values, like those values that I have been operating from and trying to hold myself to were my values 15 years ago when I started my career. And when I began this journey and she's like, and I'm tired and burned out and I want to focus on the things that are important, my family, my, my spouse, and I want to put my energy, which is less than it used to be, where I, will, I can feel like I can make the most difference. So she ended up moving to Hawaii. But um, I always, my joke, you know, as a coach, you're supposed to use a lot of metaphors. And I'm getting better at it. But back then, I, I'm not good at coming up on the fly. But um, so I always ask my coaching clients, like, give me a metaphor for that. <laughs> and so her <laughs> metaphor was, <laughs> her metaphor was, and I use this all the time, thanks to her. She's like, wow, my values are like the lights on my runway. And if they're not lit up, then, you know, I can't either take off or I don't land. You just kind of go off the runway and you land in the mud and you need to keep those front and center as you're making decisions. And so that's a tool that I would, I would offer for people. You know, you can Google, you can find all kinds of values exercises, or you can just sit down and say, okay, what are the, what are the non-negotiables in my life? That if they were not honored, that this is when things are, when you go off into the mud, you go off the runway. And oftentimes, and and this is where I gently have to steer people back. Remember, where are you in that? Because if you're not in that, then you're not going to be able to take care of anybody or anything. But usually your values are the things that give you energy. So that's another exercise we talk about, like just making a list. What, where, what do you get your energy from and what, what is a detractor of your energy? I can think about all the things that empower me, but then it's hard to think about the things that suck my energy because sometimes they're the things that used to empower me, mm-hmm. but just because of the way that life has shaped, mm-hmm. now they're a little bit of an energy suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's what we talk about. It's not good or bad. And this is where we have to let go of our inner critic. We all have an inner critic in our head. That's the one who's, you know, telling us not to take time for ourselves, do all those things. So another exercise we do is we have people get in touch with their inner critic, where we literally have them draw out a picture of what their inner critic looks like. And the messages is that you're getting when you're trying to prioritize yourself and take care of yourself. And then we give it a name. And then we say, okay, how do you skillfully 
work with your, your inner critic, you know, like they're never going to go away, but how do we put them over there? Another, I had a, a client who was French, who his inner critic was, uh, became a French mime and that mime would show up. He's an engineer and a photographer. So when he was trying to be creative, the engineer would show up and be like, it's got to be perfect. Right. Which would get in the way of his creativity. And so, you know, so what he was able to do is identify, oh, like that stupid guy that's trying to be funny is here again. I see you, but I'm not laughing. You need to go stand in the corner while I get my stuff done. That's what you do is you start to just identify those messages, but not believe them or operate from that place. You know, and one of the biggest things that we do that we haven't talked about is we, we start with, you know, what's the one big thing that you want to shift? Like what's, you know, whether it be the one big thing that you want to make an impact on the purpose that you have, that how you want to be different. And we start there and we talk about, you know, what's getting in the way of that. And then, and then how do you consciously choose and then you start to shift your behavior. And so, and how you do that is looking at your values and then taking those values. And we talked about t- turning the values from insight into action. Like literally, okay, how do you put those into your calendar? Go, you know, in my calendar, I have that I go to boot camp three times a week. It's blocked off, you know, from nine to 11, Monday and Wednesday and Friday. And I don't go. Um, I, I, try, I try to go <laughs> once a week um, or twice. But it's there front and center for me to remember that that's a priority because, you know, when you don't, then we don't do that. Another tool that I've been offering a lot and that I is Brene Brown's podcast. She interviews, you know, incredible thought leaders and authors. But one of them I've been recommending, it seems like in the last couple of weeks to every client that I work with. And it's by two women who wrote Burnout, Burnout, Burnout. And the biggest thing in there that she talks about one of the biggest concepts from this podcast that I recommend is how do we physiologically complete the stress cycle? Because we, our bodies carry stress, right? It's, it's not only what we're telling ourselves and the thoughts and beliefs, but it's also how we're physically dealing with the stress cycle. And so, you know, what, what they found from their research is we have stressors that we can't control, right? And then those stressors become stress in our bodies And what we physiologically need to do is some way of releasing that stress. And what we don't know when we're not conscious is we do it unconsciously by trying to numb that stress, which could look like drinking wine at night, social media, keeping ourselves really busy, um, you know, fill in the blank. But what it looks like to to complete the stress cycle is to figure out what you need to do, whether it be in, and they actually listed five things that research shows completes the stress cycle. So either physical activity, doing something creative, where you're shifting the parts of your brain that you're using, laughing, like full on belly laughing, crying, like letting yourself just process and release the emotion, physical affections. So hugging somebody or something, dogs count, I'm sitting here with my golden retriever on my feet for at least 30 seconds, taking some deep breaths, like really sitting. And there's something called box breathing where, you know, breathing in for, um, and you know, this, I see you you nodding your head. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, literally taking four deep breaths, holding it in and then breathing out four times. And it physiologically changes your, the stress response in your body. This is, also something that self-care. And, you know, what I love about those things is it doesn't have to be 
none of this has to be anything really big, right? It's, you know, when people think about this is also a misconception with the clients that I work with that go, I don't have time to go get a pedicure or a massage or go to the spa or, you know, something big. And it's really, it's just thinking about what do I need to do to, to complete the stress cycle that I can do right now, whether it be walking a mile down the street or walking a quarter of the mile in my case to get my mail with my dog in the middle of the day, walking, taking a phone call outside, whatever it might be, that that's also a way, a, a piece of self-care because it's helping you to process the stress through your body. Now I'm thinking of all the little micro things that you can do in a day. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, there are so many. I had a friend who said that she started just the first thing she did when she got out of bed. is She started to try to drink a whole glass of water just right there at her bedside. Mm-hmm. And that was like her goal every day, which sounds so easy. But for me, that's sometimes so hard because I am not a big, I don't love water. Mm-hmm. I want to, but I just, I don't love it. And so just the act of doing that and trying to make that conscious effort. Like I'm going to try this and make this life change and have it available to me to try or just saying, I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to stretch Mm -hmm. at my bed, get Mm -hmm. out of bed and stretch, like do a downward dog or, you know, just stretch my arms, Mm -hmm. move my body, Mm -hmm. see if that can just kind of give me some of that limbic movement, Mm -hmm. some of my circulation, Mm -hmm. see if that just even that sheer act of kind of getting my heart pumping can kind of put me in the mindset to be like, okay, I am starting my day. And so I don't know. I think that you're right. There are micro things that you can do. I think that that is, it doesn't take cancer away. It doesn't take Mm -hmm. heart disease away. It doesn't change the story that is happening in your life, but it maybe can give you a small, tiny bit of reprieve to be able to face it with a little bit of a clearer head. Yeah. And more so. energy and more resilience and, and for you to be able to show up as as how you want to show up. I don't want to even say your best self because that's making it a really high bar, but you know, just a little bit better than what you would have been if you would have been exhausted and depleted and resentful yeah. from not doing anything for yourself. Michelle, is there anything that you feel like we should have shared or that you wanted to share or anything about your exciting endeavors you're doing right now that you want us to know about? I'm going to link to your website on the podcast so that you people can go to your website to learn more about what you're doing. Like I said, we're about to relaunch the Amazing Women's Alliance. And, you know, when I thought about I actually took it over from this really amazing coach that passed it on to me. She recognized the need for her own self-care. And she built this wonderful network that's really about supporting women. And when I took it on, I had to pause. So this is something we hadn't talked about yet. And going back to that, you know, when you say yes to something or when you say no to something, you're saying yes to something else. It's, it's all about the pause. And so this is where you start to break the cycle and just take a moment and check in with yourself and ask, you know, okay, how is this serving me or not serving me? Am I saying yes to this because it's in line with my values or because I'm, you know, people pleasing, I have a fear, I'm telling myself a story, what are the things so that you can start to really consciously choose? And so I did that with this this amazing group that I I get to work with and we're going to be growing it. And, and, you know, when I looked at it and I, and I said yes to it, I I really thought about like, 
you know, why me? Why now? And what do I want it to be? And, and what I really thought about is like, I know for myself and, and my friends and my clients and the people that I work with, especially as women right now in Texas, we all need to take that pause and reconnect with ourselves on where we are now and then reconnect with each other. And like, what do you know, how do we all kind of reform, you know, what, what does it look like and, and re-energize ourselves. And so it's really going to be a network about support, personal and professional development. So I would just say it'll, it'll, they'll be on my website in the next month or so. And there'll be an opportunity to join us at events. We're having a launch party December 1st. The location is TBD and it's going to be, you know, what I want to do is offer that space where, you know, like, I don't know how to self-care and I don't know what I need and I don't know where to, how to go through these, some of these tools that I described. That's the work that we're going to be doing together. So offering different ways to be able to do that. And yeah, so that, that's what I would say. The people we love deserve to have the best versions of us especially if they're ill. So take the time, do the work, make the space to take care of yourself. You, your family, your friends, they'll thank you for it. To learn more about the incredible work that Michelle and her team with Coaching for Good are doing, please check out her resources and consider visiting her website. And may we all come to know what it's like to live life above the line. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast today. Please continue to check back as our content is ever evolving. For any recommendations or topics you would like to see covered, please feel free to send an email to podcast at wondersandworries.org. 